You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Did you get hypothermia or anything? Uh, no, but it did take a while for me to find it. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Cura, joined by Brazilian Ty, and Ty reminds you to stay in school. Yeah, uh, you don't want to work outside. It sucks. <laughs> okay, well, what happened? I know uh, up uh, northwestern Alberta got pretty crazy this weekend. So, so it hasn't been great up here starting on Thursday. Uh, so they made us work. Uh, so, you know, sh- I actually ran the automatic truck as a man, as a standard, so I could make it downhill safely. Uh, we got, wow. we got like two centimeters of rain and then it froze and snowed on top of it. So that was fun. Friday, we got shut down. Then we got called back out. So that was a whole mess around. But Saturday, <laughs> Saturday was probably one of the worst days I've ever had at work. We had to flag an access road through the bush. Get to one point, there's a slough. I test out no. the ice. It seems good oh, enough. No. no. I make it across the slough. <laughs> now, it's pretty muskeggy. Any frost that we've had is gone because the snow has just insulated the ground. Little do we know that there is a channel running from this slough to a dugout that they used as a borrow pit to build the highway. We Uh-oh. think it's a trail. It is not a trail. My assistant falls through, so I go back, make sure he's oh. okay. He gets out. I'm like, do you want to go back to the truck? He says, no, let's just get this done. I'm like, okay, we've got 150 meters left, and we'll just go crank the heat in the truck, sit in there for an hour, do our other workspace, and we'll be, we'll be in by 1 o'clock. How deep is it? I'm getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was over his boots. He got out. It was fine. Okay. We're walking down what we think is a trail. It's ice. He falls through. I hear an O blank. And I, as I'm about to turn around, I fall through. Oh, no. I was over my waist. Oh. Did not touch bottom. Oh. Had to tread water and... Like, kick myself out onto the ice and roll onto the muskeg. Holy crap. One pocket of my pants had my wallet. The other pocket of my pants had my dip. (laughs) In my front pocket was a USB drive. And in my other front pocket was my brand new chapstick. And? It tastes like beaver... You texted. I was not. What? What was a total? The total amount that we worked yesterday or on Saturday was 
an hour and a half. Wow. Like, we would have been done. We still we got to start late, so they didn't they didn't want us to drive in the dark. We got to start late. I'm like, we'll still be home by 12, 1 o'clock, whatever. It'll be fine. We rolled in at 5 o'clock because we had to sit in the truck for so long, drying out socks, pants, uh, you know, boots. At one point, we went out, finished. We, we ended up coming back to the truck. Then we staked up to the slough and then came back to the truck. We went around to the highway and came in from the other way as far as we could. As I walked back to the truck, my pants froze. Oh, because they were wet. They were still wet enough to freeze. Did you get hypothermia or anything? Uh, no, but it did take a while for me to find it. <laughs> Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. CFL.ca. Oh, man, we got to talk semifinal Sunday. I was going to, because you texted me and you said, oh, I wish I would have stayed in school like you to have an indoor job. And my idea was next payday, mm-hmm. I will transfer you my entire paycheck. Okay. And you transfer me your entire paycheck. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll give you my paycheck. You're What's not, the catch here? You're not getting my living allowance. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Before we uh, talk the actual games on Sunday, I know you have something to say about Deron Carter getting released. Oh, my heart is just filled with joy. <laughs> like, um, What did he do this year that even warranted him staying on the roster other than the fact that they would have had salary cap problems. Well, it was him. a one-year contract, so I don't, I don't know if the thought was that we'll give him extra time to find a job. He can go to the XFL. What do you think's next for him? I, th- I think I don't know if another team in the CFL even wants to take a flyer on him at this point. Would you? I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking XFL, and if that. Doesn't pan out, because let's be honest, after 18 months, he'll be on a new team again anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, am I wrong? The numbers never lie. According to Police Academy right. 3, the meter never lies. Um, <laughs> that's a really obscure reference. I don't know why I went there. Uh, I love the Police Academy reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, if if it fails in the XFL, I don't see him coming back. I think he might be done. And it, it's not ability. I think it's strictly attitude. An effort. Uh, well, that, that effort is included I in guess attitude, that's the same right? Thing. He gets pouty, <laughs> and then he gets pouty, and then just doesn't try. And that—that's oh, from our point okay. of view. I don't know if that's actually if he's not trying, but that's 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 what it looks like. Let's talk about the teams that were actually in the playoffs, and it starts with the Edmonton Eskimos crossing over to the East. And they beat the Alouettes 37-29. I guess somewhere along the way, the Alouette defense or offense gave the Eskimo defense something to talk about, something to fire them up by Mm -hmm. calling them trash. Mm -hmm. And that did not sound like the uh, smartest thing to do. No, yeah. Call a defense trash and then allow 421 passing yards. 
How'd that work out for you? <laughs> and I mean, the thing started pregame. Almondo Sewell and the Esk's defense really took exception mm-hmm. to it. They were going at it. You know, sometimes the crossover, you're like, ah, is there going to be as much fire as there is in a divisional playoff game? But there was, and it started before the game even started. Ryan King was just running around. Okay, we got to stop. We got to stop. We got to stop. <laughs> and it just started with the Eskimos lighting up the Montreal Alouettes, and Trevor Harris was on a mission mm-hmm. in this one. Uh, 22 straight completions. And it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like it was twenty two completions that started in like the second quarter. It was his first twenty two yeah. passes, and they went to Whew. he had eight different receivers. He was on fire, and you know Montreal doesn't play a lot of man to man. They play a lot nope. of zone, and if you do that against Trevor Harris, he has the ability to to pick you apart. And when you have guys like DeVaris Daniels and Greg Allenson and Ricky Collins that are smart enough to maybe cut route short or to find soft spots in the zone, it, it's going to be easy for him to put up numbers. 36 of 39 is yeah. absolutely insane. And be, and still not even a perfect passer rating. No, <laughs> there was the one interception in there. So I guess mm-hmm. he completed 37 out of 39 uh, passes and <laughs> only the one touchdown shockingly mm-hmm. uh, in this one. But I, I feel like what, if... What was more shocking, that there was only one touchdown or who caught the touchdown? You know what? Over the past few weeks, they've really gotten Calvin McCarty involved. Mm-hmm. And it's because... Guys don't expect him to do anything other than block, really, right? So he's able to leak out and release, and this, the DBs and the linebackers don't even know he's out there. I said this on Twitter. It's almost like Trevor Harris was Edmonton's best defender. I know mm-hmm. that Josh Johnson had three interceptions, including two in the fourth quarter, but... At halftime, the Alouettes had the ball for nine minutes. It is a miracle that they were still in the game, and it's all because Mario Alford's uh, big, big, I think it was a 99-yard kickoff return, the biggest in uh, the CFL playoffs in over 50 years, the third longest of all time. And Vernon Adams was able to make some big plays to keep Montreal in this game Right until the very end, at halftime, <laughs> it's a miracle that Montreal was as close as it was. I think uh, the Esks were up twenty five nineteen at the half. Yeah, like, and like you said, the Mary Alford return really helped that out. But Dwayne Ford said on the broadcast, it puts the defense right back out on the field. Yeah. And just allows Trevor Harris to keep picking on them without much of a break. Uh, I think twenty five nineteen was pretty flattering uh, to, to the Alouettes, considering what their offense did in the first half. You look at it: Vernon Adams Jr. six of nine for one hundred thirty four yards uh, and one for seven rushing. Like that's he only threw the ball nine times, and like you said, they only had it yeah. for nine minutes. Like the fact they had nineteen points is a miracle. I think a lot of the talk was. 
going into the game was that the Owls had the two leading rushers in the East Division. They had a little bit of thunder and lightning with William Stanback um, and Jeremiah Johnson. And Stanback did have uh, a couple touchdowns in Mm -hmm. this one. But we learned right before the game that he's probably going to be trying the NFL Next year, I don't think we should really be all that surprised. He is a big bruising back, and he is probably mm-hmm. going to have some looks in uh, in the NFL next year. But you know what? I, I do think the Alouettes, they, they still need to be very happy with how the season went, considering everything that was thrown at them. Mm-hmm. Um Harris and uh, other broadcasters there said that it was the loudest they've heard a stadium in Montreal be in a long, long time. And it got really loud in the fourth quarter. But they're in danger of losing some really big pieces in this offseason, including their head coach. They're starting running back. (laughs) They need to figure out this ownership slash GM slash head coaching thing. Slash starting quarterback. Yes, or all this progress is lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, moment, I hate using momentum, but I mean, the momentum that they've gained with the fan base and, you know, turning the franchise around could all be for naught if all of a sudden Kahari's gone, Vernon Adams Jr. is gone. And, you know, I don't want to say if William Sandback is gone because if he leaves, it's not because of management if he goes to the NFL. Yeah. Right? But. All that goodwill could be undone so fast if we're starting all over from scratch again. I don't, I don't want that to happen no. because it was just so exciting uh, for this team. Vernon Adams Jr. led that team in four uh, comebacks. Uh, I think seven of their ten wins were mm-hmm. coming from behind. It was just uh, such a fun team to watch, but the Eskimos were able to have their own thunder and lightning here. They ended up getting some room on the roster when Money Hunter and Forest Hightower were both hurt, not able to make the roster this week. And I know a lot of Eskimo fans are saying the Hunter injury was a bit of a blessing in disguise, but it also allowed them to get uh, Shaq Cooper onto the roster. And that juxtaposition there between him and C.J. Gable, I think was very valuable to this offense. So first things first, without Money Hunter in the lineup, Edmonton only had three penalties. And one of them was offsetting. offsetting. They were both uh, unnecessary roughnesses. Yeah. So, I mean, to get C.J. Gable, uh, Shaq Cooper in the lineup, and then you come down and then you have Jamil Smith, who has nine total returns for 165 yards giving them, you know, decent field position. It yeah, it sucks to lose guys out of your secondary that have been playing all year and, and you know are decent players and maybe their discipline leaves a little something to be desired as to why fans would think it's kind of addition by subtraction. Uh but the moves that Edmonton made coming into this game worked worked great. Uh you know, Smith got them into field or a great field position. CJ Gable uh, you know, they didn't have to give him a super heavy load. He only carried the ball 14 times and had two catches. And, I mean, Shaq Cooper wasn't that involved in the rush game, but he did catch five for 55. And then a guy like Calvin McCarty, like, I mean, their backfield was, like, their their backfield was full of guys that were able to make plays today. And, and you know, they ended up winning the football game, and it, it was a huge part of it. I think Taekwon Glass was one of the uh, 
unsung heroes of the S secondary a little bit here. He made a big play uh, on a two point convert that the Alouettes tried to uh, tried to convert. He also made another big play on I think it was Eugene Lewis that mm-hmm. Montreal probably would have liked to challenge it. I don't know if they would have gotten it, but the play that Kahari Jones chose to challenge was a strange <laughs> it was a great play that uh Vernon Adams Jr. made to escape pressure mm-hmm. and then he just missed Fulbert Lucier on uh just a slightly overthrown would have scored a touchdown would have probably been a completely different outcome if they would have connected there but challenged roughing the passer on what it looked like Don Unumbo just basically contacted the shoulder uh, Vernon Adams shoulder just a wasted challenge flag that was a rough decision to make now I'm not saying it cost him the game because of course right but let's say Kahari Jones has already signed his extension just for sake of argument let's say it's already done and he he has job security I'm firing the guy who told me to challenge that play? Because <laughs> if you think that's I, roughing I the passer, I don't want you making challenge decisions for me anymore. Pack your bags, get out. Because that's ridiculous. I hope nobody that, told him that. That's <laughs> awful. It was like it was like the nope. it was like the CJ Gable illegal block. That call made no sense to me. On a running play, that's not an illegal block. On a change of possession or a kick, yes, that's an illegal block below the, below the waist. But it's not on a rushing play because they were in possession of the ball. Possession never changed. So that didn't make any sense. But then, look, so, I mean, it goes both ways, but there's no way that, that they actually thought that was roughing the passer. There was another one where Kahari didn't have the challenge flag and Vernon Adams mm-hmm. ended up sliding and Jordan Hoover went in for the hit. I thought he committed to it before mm-hmm. Adams ever ended up sliding. See, and, um, and that's what I got crapped on earlier in the year by saying these quarterbacks are sliding too late. A lot of them are, yeah. And, and it's because they're trying to bait guys into penalties, right? Because they right. know. Uh, I also get that you want to gain as many yards as possible before you have to slide. But when a guy is already committed to a tackle, there's no way he can stop. And, no, you know, if he's uh, he's going for a tackle, so his head's down usually. Well, once a quarterback starts to slide, his head is down. It's, contact is usually inevitable. Uh, and, and then the quarterback pops up looking for a penalty every time. You're not giving the defense any – we can't make it so that the defense has zero options to do anything. And you might as well just get, put seven points on the board every time you have the ball. Right, like at, at yeah. some point, the defense has to get the benefit of the doubt here. It was thirty-four twenty-two going into the fourth quarter for the Eskimos, and it seemed like Edmonton had all the momentum in the world, and then things sort of flipped. Um, the Alouettes actually did not get their first two and out until the fourth quarter. Like th- th- that's just how dominant the mm-hmm. Eskimo defense was. They couldn't, they, they they couldn't get after Harris at all. And I know he gets rid of the ball 
so, so fast in, in most cases, but they couldn't get close to him. Uh, he was just torching them with that zone defense. And that first two and out happening in the fourth quarter, that's not going to win you any games. I know it's Bob Slowick's first year in the CFL. I think he's gotten better as the year has gone on. And mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to win for him. He was willing to learn. But that's the difference in this one. Uh, when when you can't make any stops. No. There were seven minutes left in the game, the first one. I, and I don't know if Montreal has the horses or the personnel to run a man defense. Uh, I, I wonder if, he, if he's running zone based solely on necessity because of the personnel he has. Because uh, we see Hamilton run, you know, a lot of man coverage. Uh, so... That could have something to do with it. I don't know if Silvic is afraid to make adjustments or if he just can't because of the guys he has. Uh, but something needed to change and nothing did on the defensive side of the ball for Montreal, really. And let's face it, the Edmonton receivers, they're a pretty deep group as well. Yes. So they're going to... They're going to make you pay either way uh, there. But this is when the Alouettes defense really took over. And uh, Woody Barron had an interception with 11 minutes left after a John Bowman uh, deflection. And that rushing touchdown from Vernon Adams Jr. to make it 34-29. At that point, I was thinking, whoa, oh, oh, the Alouettes are going to come here. And they're going to have another comeback. They've mm-hmm. been a second-half team all year long, and he made about half of Edmonton's defense look really foolish on that touchdown run. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of guys that probably, not necessarily got the tackle, but could have got a hand on him that even that didn't even do that. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and yeah, to make it to make it the five point game, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, they just need to get a couple stops, pr- protect the ball, start trying to flip field position, and you know, make it easier on them, and then. Vernon Adams Jr. on the next drive just makes a terrible decision, throws into underthrows into what is basically triple coverage, and Rod Black thinks the game is over. Well, and then uh, the Owls get a stop. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he kept going on and on about how it was over. All they needed to do was get him to kick a field goal to go up by eight, and then they had a minute left, which is plenty of time in this mm-hmm. league. Yeah. Um, but Vernon Adams made another. Uh, poor decision mm. after that as well. I think he was probably feeling the pressure of oh. his first uh, pro football start, and I think I think the those guys wanted, yeah, more than anything to win for that crowd in Montreal mm-hmm. because it's the best it has been in a long time. Yeah, and and like you said, I think a, an experience comes in. He hasn't started, uh, you know, a lot of games. He has a season worth of starts. Yeah, that's it. Right? So, I mean, there is going to be – there still is a learning curve. I mean, Trevor Harris still makes mistakes like that. You know, we saw Bo Levi Mitchell still makes mistakes like that. They they all make mistakes like that. Those guys don't make them as often as the inexperienced quarterbacks do. And the the mistakes Vernon Adams Jr. made today just came came at the worst possible time. And like you said, feeling the pressure, trying to make a push late in the game. You know you're down by eight. Uh, you know, they should have only been down by seven because I didn't agree for them going for the two point early in the game. I just figured take the points while you can get them, get the two point when you absolutely need it. But that's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter now because they didn't end up getting the touchdown at the end of the game. But, you know, like, you know, trying to push the ball downfield, making throws that he had no business making 
there's two receivers in the same spot, which means there's two defenders in the same spot. So you're just throwing it in to a situation off his back foot, throwing it into a situation that just isn't uh, very good for him or the Montreal Alouettes. And, you know, Edmonton seals it with a pick to to basically end the game. I'm sure that he was just trying to go for the big play because Mm -hmm. the Owls, well, the Eskimos had the ball for over 36 minutes in, in this one. And, it's only an eight-point game. A lot of times, if a team has the ball for that long, it probably is just a blowout. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one really wasn't a blowout, even though the Eskimos, they handled Montreal in pretty much every single category. 200-yard receivers, Ricky Collins, Greg Ellingson, and maybe it's just that Trevor Harris is used to playing in those eastern cities for the playoffs because he looked right at home. And I yeah. know we say that you know traveling for... Uh, the the Western team going to the crossover is hard on a team, but <laughs> he was no worse for the wear here. And I don't know, is there any more worry about his arm at all? It looked like he was doing his best to keep it loose all game long. Well, and he's been doing that. They they brought that up actually on the broadcast. Like he always has those those couple warm up throws before he goes on the field. He's always done it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, if that. I don't know if it's psychological. It's probably a psychological thing. It's just a routine like every professional athlete has, really. Uh, but if anything, it probably makes – if something happens in those warm-up throws before he goes out on the field, he's going to know what he can and can't do. And yeah. it looked like today he had no limitations. Now, that being said, who knows if he got shot up? Who knows what kind of pain management there is? If it's even sore right now, who knows? But he looked no worse for wear uh, in this game, for sure. The Eskimos are going off to Hamilton here. And I think they're probably feeling a little bit more confident than they were mm-hmm. a week ago, <laughs> especially their fans. Um, does Jason Moss need to win the East Final to save his job? I think so. Uh, in my opinion, even if he wins the Great Cup, I'd still fire him. But that would be hilarious. It'd be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> but I also, I also cheer for chaos. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think he needs to make it to the Great Cup, or they're just gonna be like, we're we're tired of you know you not getting over the hump. I will say that Sean White was kicking field goals like a mother. Like a mother. <laughs> five for five, three extra points. T- take away take, t- take away Sean White's uh, field goals. And, you know, I, I know, yeah, I take, take them away and Montreal wins this game. But I'm just saying, like, Sean White has been money all year. Uh, they had... Five red zone trips and, you know, three touchdowns, two field goals. So they started to finish – well, you know, they did have the two field goals, but they started to finish drives in the red zone, which we haven't seen a lot of uh, from Edmonton this season. So that was a huge turnaround. And, they talk, and you know, they came in the lead into this game eighth in red zone, and Montreal was first. <laughs> you know, Montreal in their three red zone trips scored three touchdowns against the number one red zone defense. 
But, you know, so the Montreal's defense just didn't have an answer. They had to wait to game 19 to solve their penalty and red zone issues. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know what? Figure it out earlier and you might have had a home playoff game, mm-hmm. uh, judging by the way the, the season started for the Eskimos. But they, they looked like a completely different team in in this one. Yep. and. I think they might put up a fight in Hamilton. If they play this type of game, I think they've got a really good chance. I don't think they can play the same offense, offensive style because of the difference in uh, defense between Hamilton and Montreal. And, I mean, Simone Lawrence can just disrupt any game plan. But- and Hamilton's offensive line, I think, will change mm-hmm. the way that uh, Hamilton's offense operates as well. We'll get to that one on Thursday. This episode of Tune Out is brought to you by the TELUS World of Science Edmonton, home of the Canadian debut of Marvel Universe of Superheroes. The exhibition runs until February 17th in Edmonton. It features more than 300 artifacts, costumes, props, and interactive elements to bring the Marvel Universe to life. Actually, 2019 is the 80th anniversary of Marvel, so if you go check this thing out, you're going to see rare, hand-drawn images of iconic superheroes like Spider-Man, Black Panther, Captain America. You can buy your tickets online, tellusworldofscienceedmonton.ca, and if you're coming from outside of Edmonton, they got a hotel deal on the website. It's the only place in Canada you can see this exhibition. Tell us world of science edmonton.ca. The Western semifinal had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers smashing the Calgary Stampeders 35 14. At halftime, it didn't look like it was going to be a smashing game, but. The running game, the cold, I think it took its toll on Calgary in the second half. As simple as that. Calgary had 62 pass, or 92 passing yards at or was it No, 62 passing yards at halftime. Yeah, and what did they end up with? Bo did not have a single passing. Bo did not have a single passing yard in the third quarter. No. Uh, he goes 12 of 28 for 116 yards, throws three picks and a touchdown. Don't tell me that he loves cold weather. Here, here look at this. Uh, the Stampeders they got all their points in the first half, mm-hmm. and then the Bombers had twenty in the fourth quarter points. alone. Yeah, oh, thirty unanswered points. Sorry, <laughs> and that twenty points were in the fourth quarter. But you know what? I, I thought it was going to be a way bigger Andrew Harris game. And they really didn't have to rely on him all that much. And a big part of that is Chris Trevler is a warrior. 13 carries, 82 yards, the game's leading rusher. The guy's got some ligament damage in his foot and a broken bone. He is a monster. Yeah, I wouldn't be getting in front of him. (laughs) Built like a brick house. Um you know, and like you said, they didn't have to lean. They didn't lean on Andrew Harris. He had 14 carries, 57 yards, but that's because they didn't have to. Uh, you know, Nick Dembski right. had three carries. Chris Trevler had 13. Chris Trevler came in and didn't throw a pass, and Calgary still yeah. could still couldn't stop them. 
They they tried to sell it. They tried to sell like Strebler was going to pass it, and he never did. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the, it, it has, the longest play was the Darvin Adams touchdown. Other than that, yeah, seventy. There was yards. no. There was no. There was one other play over tw- or two other plays over twenty yards. Passing wise, now as the game started, um, the Stamps they got lucky. A big long pass interference. Reggie Bagleton gets mm-hmm. the touchdown. Their other touchdown drive came on uh, a big return from Lorenzo Jerome, who had a nice day on special teams, although took a costly no yards penalty mm-hmm. in the second half because he forced a fumble on that play, and the no yards ended up meaning that the fumble did not matter. But in the first half, the and you know what? The Bomber D-line never really got to bow at all no. in this one. And even uh, a few times. E- even Willie Jefferson on the first Bagleton touchdown just looked slow. He did. <laughs> I was like, is he, is he trying? Like, I, I get it. Uh, it's, it's Sunday and you don't work in Manitoba, but... <laughs> it looked like he was wearing his rubber boots. Yeah, Bagleton was just like a mother on those two touchdowns. <laughs> okay, that's two. <laughs> Drink. Uh, <laughs> we, we talk about they're, questionable decisions from Vernon Adams people. Jr. <laughs> I'm a points person. Boom. Bo Mitchell was making mm-hmm. questionable decisions in this one. All game long, but as the game went on, and Suter mentioned it, they didn't put Kamar Jordan in because they wanted to. They had to. Mm-hmm. Um, if Reggie Bagleton, Eric Rogers, and Kamar Jordan are all at full strength in this one, mm-hmm. it's probably a different story. But those receivers, n- not really much uh, experience. Jordan didn't have the reps. He had... Three days in practice, yeah, and then put him in in the offense with Bo, and it ended up causing an interception in the second half. The receivers and the passing game just couldn't get it done because you can't run against Winnipeg. It's just it, it seems like death taxes and the Bomber run defense are the only sure things this this year. <laughs> death taxes and Al Bradbury officiating an awful game. Um. <laughs> He's going to get the Grey Cup, isn't he? Yeah, and then you're, it's going to be you and Taylor, and I'm going to be at the bar. <laughs> hey, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. <laughs> if it's not Andre Pru, I'm out. Well, is it going to be these refs going next weekend too, though, or how does that work? I would assume that it would be much like MLB where each – crew would be graded and yeah the better the two best crews would probably get the the division finals i would think i guess we'll have to wait till till then to see it it should be one of those crews that are uh, doing the division finals for the great cup well it should be kim doing one and andre doing the other yeah well we'll see if that happens because you'd think one of them would have been working today. Yeah, and then we'll get stuck with like Al Bradbury and Tim Croker as the backup for Grey Cup Sunday. <laughs> I will light McMahon Stadium um, on fire if that's the case. <laughs> Ante Leader had a nineteen yard run. 
Don Jackson, he had a 35-yarder, but this mm-hmm. was after the game was uh, basically sealed up. But I thought he didn't look all that bad, and they actually tried to commit to the run in the first half. But th- we already said the passing stats from Bo, it just wasn't happening. I mean... <laughs> and, like, I don't blame Bo. To- totally. No, not all of them. The in, but there were some yeah. oh. underthrows. The, but the inexperience at the at the receiver position affected what he could and couldn't do. But there was some where he got lucky. Like, he should have had five or six interceptions. Probably right. Like, <laughs> but yeah. So you know, twelve completions, one hundred sixteen yards. They couldn't rush the ball. Like, I don't know what Winnipeg did coming out of that out of halftime. They made they made the adjustments they needed to and absolutely shut them down. And like you said, the Don Jackson 35-yard gain was after the game was pretty much over. You know what? Bomber fans, they seem to want Richie Hall gone. Mm -hmm. But he's a damn good coordinator. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that for years. There have been games where (laughs) maybe the adjustments didn't happen. They definitely happened in this one. I mean, two guys with interceptions uh, were with Edmonton at one point, and they just they made plays in this one. They're really doing well in the bomber defense. Yeah, and no coordinator, no head coach, no player is ever going to coach or play a perfect game. Mistakes are going to be made. Uh, it's sports. That's what happens. Uh, I think, though, with the way that this defense played in the second half, it might silence some haters for a little bit. Uh, that being said, I hate Chris Jones, and it didn't matter what he did, I found something to nitpick. And I think uh, <laughs> I think that that segment of Bomber fans don't like Richie Hall will always find something. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it's like Eskimo fans with Jason Moss. Right. Uh, the first interception was to Mike Jones, who the Stamps were trying to pick on mm-hmm. uh, with Josh Huff in this one. But Huff made uh, some poor plays. He's brand new to this league. I think he's going to get better as time goes on. But what did you think of the call? I know some thought it was a simultaneous catch. It should have went to the offense in the first half. And you know what? There was a similar play in the Montreal-Edmonton game Mm -hmm. as well, uh, where the defender and the receiver were going at it, and uh, the decision went to the defender. Like if If he got there a split second before, yeah, the camera was still going too fast to, to see it. I know. It was tough to really see like, it. Yeah, he got his hand there first, but was he controlling it first? Yeah, I don't think it was. I thought the defender did. Yeah, like, I, uh, well, so, I, I, think if you ruled, I think if you ruled it a simultaneous catch, it's really hard to overturn. Yeah. And it, and it would have had it been challenged. I think, you know, they call it the the pick and they know it's going to get reviewed. And and we've seen that a couple times we saw that a couple times this weekend where you know let the let it play out let's take it to review and make the decision there. Yeah, it happened on the Ellingson uh fumble, fumble. when he was down. And I was so jacked for that and then I looked at the, <laughs> before it went to commercial it showed the replay I'm like ah never mind. 
<laughs> uh, Nick Taylor also had an interception cut by Edmonton last year, and Mercy Maston had an interception, former Eskimo defensive back as well. Oh, man. I, I thought that the rotation that the Bombers used for the quarterbacks was just about perfect. Well, once once they got up like they did, what was the point of keeping Zach Claros in there? But they put Shreveler in for a series or mm-hmm. a play here and there as oh, well. Yeah, for, oh, oh, for but sure. at the end, Calero sealed it with the 71-yard touchdown to Darvin yeah. Adams, and he really didn't need to do anything after that. No, and after that, you know that you're going to be running the ball, whether it's Shreveler, Dembski, or Harris. Uh, you keep Caleros out of there. Gives you and it gives you that option for Strevler to keep it because uh, you know Zach Claros isn't going to be rushing the football. Uh, just so it just gives you another wrinkle where you know you can gain for you can get first downs because there's so many options that the Calgary defense has to worry about. And he could have gone to Strevler could have given the ball to Harris or Dembski or kept it himself on any play, and it worked out perfectly. And you know keeps Claros healthy. They can go into Saskatchewan next week. Uh, and, and you know, have a shot at winning a West Final, making it to a great cup and winning the first one since 1990. What a story. I mean, has there been another situation where a quarterback started a season with a division rival mm. as their starting quarterback and ended up playing against them in the division final? <laughs> oh. I, it, it probably has happened with the wacky things that have yeah. gone on in this league, but but <laughs> well, just think it could have ha- it could have happened last year. Well, no, I guess not because Durant wasn't on the Riders, right? Yeah, he had yeah. a year in Montreal to kind of yeah. uh, uh, bridge that, but the the to, to get a secondary... signing bonus that he could walk away from. Hey, I wish I I wish I could do that. Uh, the Bombers' all? secondary were all over Calgary's receivers, mm-hmm. um, but the the big turning point I thought uh, the beginning of the third quarter that is really when Winnipeg started running it. Strevler, Harris, Dembski had a big touchdown. It ended the eighty-two yard drive, and they <laughs> didn't look back after that. And the big thing was, and I, I can't even just fault the Calgary defense. Because the offense would come out and throw two incompletions, and the defense is back out there getting pounded by that running game. Yeah, and it it just beats the morale out of you. The oh, it just, yeah. just it's just so demoralizing to just you you have to. It's like we have to go back out there. It's like play, <laughs> it's like playing rec league with seven skaters. It's like why did I come tonight? <laughs> right, and you lose by fifteen. It's like I don't want to be out here anymore. You just start flipping it over the glass. Minutes of ice time. <laughs> yeah, like I, what, what do I need? Forty-five minutes of ice time and to puke four times tonight because I got to work at seven a.m. Like, <laughs> okay, we talked about Kahari Jones' interesting challenge. What about Dave Dickinson's at the beginning of the second half, challenging <laughs> that Kenny Lawler was blocking downfield before the receiver caught the ball? Okay, so he was blocking downfield before the receiver caught the ball, but if that's the hill you're going to die on, like, I don't know if that's a great decision. 
like a mother. Travis. <laughs> that didn't make sense. That was a that was a bad one. He, I'm sorry. He was right. It should have been overturned. But that play didn't put points on the board. Yeah, it was like a five yard play. It was, like. <laughs> it was twelve. It it did give Winnipeg a first down, but it didn't put points on the board. And you're you're in the third quarter. Why? Yeah. Why? You know how many challenges Dickinson has won this year? One. Really? I think they said he was one for seven. Wow. That's not his strong point. <laughs> no. Like, what are you doing? Like, I get Holy trying to. Man. I get. I understand trying to kill momentum, but I know that's yeah. pretty ticky tack call. That's yeah. I, I, trying to get his defense arrested because his offense can't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was like, <laughs> oh boy. But basically, at that point. Well, no, you don't because you lose the timeout. I was going to say, well, it acts like another timeout, but you don't because you lose it. Yeah. You lose the timeout anyway. But, yeah, I, I didn't like it. Well, actually, I did because they lost the challenge, but <laughs> the decision was poor. This is the first time since 2011 that the Calgary Stampeders will not be in the West Final. Oh, can you say that again? <laughs> this is the first time since 2011 that the Calgary Stampeders will not be in the West Final. Oh, you know how that makes me feel? Like a mother. Oh, why? Why did you do that? Because I was going to say it. It's not fair. <laughs> I thought I had you on that one. <laughs> it's like on, it's, let's, it's let's... Like on the Lion King. You're like, Mufasa. <laughs> say it again. Say it again. <laughs> Let's come back to talk about our fantasy lineups and pick them. Alberta loves its forests and it shows. In the last 20 years alone, Alberta's forest industry planted and nurtured 2 billion trees. Strategic harvesting is helping slow the spread of the mountain pine beetle. Take that, you scourge of infestation. Oh, <clears throat> and Alberta's forest industry creates enough green energy to power four cities the size of Grand Prairie. If that doesn't power your heart in the process, chances are you need to learn more about your relationship with Alberta's forests. Go to loveabforests.com. Well, we each went one and one. Yeah, but I, I should get extra points for picking the upset. The Esks were underdogs too. Two and a half points on the road, so really they're the favorite. Because the home team should be getting three. <laughs> As degenerate for the Canadian degenerate gamblers know what I'm talking about. <laughs> As for the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge, I lost to Safamod. You didn't. From, uh, I did. Oh, dude. I, I had the second highest score in the league this week, and he had the first highest score in the league this week. Well, that is far from uh, ideal. I had the seventh highest score this week out of the eight teams. My, my Calgary Stampeders defense got me a solid minus four. I got I got I got minus from Montreal's defense as well. Yeah, so you had the second worst score in the league and won my playing matchup. the guy with the worst score. Oh, I hate fantasy sports. <laughs> the exact with a damn opposite passion. of my situation. <laughs> It's the worst. <laughs> Fantasy sports will ruin your life if you're not careful. 
yeah, so I uh I'm I'm out, but nah. Whatever. I'll carry I'll carry the torch. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Go all the way. <laughs> uh the East Final is the Hamilton Tiger Cats home to the Edmonton Eskimos and the West Final. Whoa, the third time in Mosaic Stadium this year, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that it's the third time they've had to play in Saskatchewan is just going to fuel the fire that, uh, you know, we want a balanced schedule and all the crybabies from Winnipeg. Uh, but they're probably going to oh, come yeah. in and win anyway. Hey, the the weather looks good. Yeah, Cody Fajardo's oblique doesn't. No, it does not. So, it does not look good at all. So here we go. That is going to be the number one story to watch at mm-hmm. Riders Practice, which probably starts Tuesday or Wednesday. Whoa. Uh, Ty, don't fall in any water between now and uh, Thursday. Well, I will. I have tomorrow off, so I'm going to just hold down the couch. Okay. Uh, and I can't play my Madden franchise anymore, so I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. What happened? Well, there's a new patch that comes out every month with like new updates and all this stuff. But because I went to bed, like I paused the game and I went to bed. I'm like, oh, I'll play it in the morning. I'm tired of looking at the TV. So my PS4 goes into sleep mode. So when I turned it back on and went back into my franchise... You just resume the game you were on, or you have to, st- or you can say no, and you have to start a whole new franchise. The patch cannot be downloaded if you're in the middle of a game, so I can't play that game. So I have to start all over. The game or the franchise? The franchise. I'm in year 2024. Ooh. No. <laughs> wow. I'm 31 uh. years old. And I'm worried about this. <laughs> like this, I'm gonna be nice to you. This is why I don't. This is why I'm single. I, I'm gonna be nice, but I do encourage you to wear a poppy and go to a uh, service mm-hmm. uh, on Remembrance Day. I don't know if uh, it's a touchy subject these days. Ooh. Um, <laughs> everybody's everybody's got that racist grandpa that shows up for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> it just so happens that he shows up and 30 million people. And 30 million people's Thanksgiving dinners at the same time. <laughs> a co-worker of mine uh, came up with a song called Valor and Pride. Uh, look it up on any of your favorite streaming platforms. Proceeds from it go uh, to uh, veterans uh, and veteran services. So Valor and Pride, look it up. It's a great song for Remembrance Day. Uh, thank you if you have served or continue to serve. I hope you enjoy our little podcast. We will talk to you Thursday to get ready for the East and West Finals. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.